to the entry on top of page Zion. Yemrishin Sunday of Zion Kislev Gimel Hanukkah. It's the third day of Hanukkah. Hey Tov Shin Gimel, 1942 to 1943. Shiurim Chumish Now, the second arrest of the Alter Rebbe, Bishnaf Tokuf Samachalif, that would be in 1800. The second arrest and incarceration was far less severe externally than the first. But the libel and the fear, the danger, was much harder. The primary libel, it wasn't against the Alter Rebbe personally, it was against Hasidus. The opposition was very strong, and the Alter Rebbe had to answer a lot of credible complaints. We discussed a few years back when we learned the transcripts of those cross-examinations. If you were here, you remember we learned them a few winters between Tishrei and Kislev. We learned the transcripts of the Alter Rebbe's defense uh, in his trial, which he wrote himself. He was held in Taina Sovet, and Yem Shatalachedas, he was released, Neir Gimel the Hanukkah, the third Lichtel of Hanukkah. I would like to first say this that the Rebbe, Chsidim, know that uh, there was a suffix when the Altarab was released from prison, whether it was the third day of Hanukkah or the fifth night of Hanukkah. So somebody, so there's all kinds of controversy. We now have found the documents. And the documents lead, lean, if I'm not mistaken, towards the idea that Al-Tareva personally was released Gimel the Hanukkah. And there were many Hasidim from Vilna and from Shklov that were held. When Al-Tareva was arrested, a whole bunch of people were arrested along with him. And they had been, perhaps been released two days later. So somebody wrote this to the Rebbe, asked the Rebbe a question. And the Rebbe's response to him was, Ulai. Yes, we could say perhaps, when the Rebbe says we could say perhaps, it's a matter of fact, that it's conceivable, it's not so far-fetched to say that the Alter Rebbe went through a gu'ula on Gimel the Hanukkah and on Eid Hanukkah, and both of those were literal. In other words, in two, there were two aspects of the Rebbe's release, um, and it started on Gimel and it ended on Hay and so on. Now, let's do some history, okay? What I'm going to tell you is obviously based on what I know. What I know is based on what I've read. <laughs> a portion of what I read is from the Fidik Rebbe But a portion of what I read is from documents that were found more recently. And um, I say this advisedly because we know that what the Rebbe says is Amos. And when you read the documents, especially when you have to interpret the significance of those documents, frequently mistakes are made. But I want to say something very fascinating. And that is that the Alter Rebbe was arrested twice in Tokuf Nuntas and Tokuf Samachalov, 1798 and again in 1800. On both occasions, he was arrested the same day, the day after Simchas The first time he was released, Yutas Kislev, and that became a big Yomtev, Ludatis. The second time he was released on Gimel the Hanukkah, and for some reason, there's almost no Zecher to it, interestingly enough. And, and there's explanations for it, which perhaps we'll get to soon as we discuss this issue. But there was a fundamental difference between the first arrest and the second arrest. First of all, both 
both arrests took place after the Vilna God passed away. Very significantly, the Vilna Deb writes himself. The Vilna God would never have allowed for the Machlekes to go as far as Hadal Rebbe arrested. But it's implicit from the documentation. We have published, it's printed, the documents which were the basis for the first arrest of Hadal Rebbe. Forgot his name at the moment, wrote two letters to the Russian government, lively Daltareb. We know the man lived in Vilna, and we know the man's name. We know nothing else about him. We also know that one of the two letters were written on Shvuis. The English dates of the letters are printed, are available, and one of the letters was written on Shvuis, on Yomtif. We're not going to write. We have no idea who this person is. And from all indications. The first time the Al-Tareb was arrested, the Russian government arrested him speculatively. They didn't know why. They got these letters. They were in the middle of a war of some sort. And they took him to Al-Tareb. He was up just in case. They had no idea why they arrested him. They got these letters with these libels. Al-Tareb was brought to Peterburg. Not only he didn't know why he was being taken in, the government wasn't sure why they took him in. They just got these letters. The letters suggested that Al-Tareb is collaborating with the Ottoman Turks, who were the enemies of Russia at that time, and uh, that was enough. So when they came to Petr to Lozhne, and they took the Al-Tareb away in that famous black chariot, which was symbolic of the worst kind of criminals, they themselves had no idea why. The, the, the notes, the letters were written Shuwa's time. They did some kind of clandestine research between Shuwa's and Rosh Hashanah, and they were determined that they should take in the Al-Tareb. So the Rebbe is indicating that the first time Al-Tareb was arrested, the government was asking him all kinds of questions. They didn't understand the significance of their questions. They didn't understand the Machlekes Chassidim and Misnagdim. So though physically his life was in danger, and though his whole condition was much worse. They took him away in a black chariot. They kept him in the, in, in the fortress, in the Petropavlista campus, in the fortress where he had no windows, there was no day, there was no light, there was no normalcy at all. But the government was holding him on a whim. They didn't know why they were holding him. And as a result, Al-Tarebbe's answers could have been Al-Tarebbe could have answered them with not so comprehensive responses because they themselves did not know exactly what and why and for what purpose was arrested. Two years later, he was arrested a second time. But the second time around, we know exactly who Masar al-Tareb is, what did. And in the documents which are published, he's referred to as Ben Chaim, Chaimovich. He was the Rav of Pinsk, a big god, and a fabisinev, bitterem, bitterem, snagged. Kiedu in the seaport, but the holy Baditcha was the Pinsk Rav, the great Baditcha was Pinsk Rav. And in Tukhuf Mandalit, that would be 1784 in the summertime. There was a meeting of all the Chavraya Kadisha, all the members of the Holy Society of the Great Magid in Volin, in Poland. And Al Rebbe traveled to Volin and the Badichiva did. While the Badichiva was there, he got a message from his wife and his children that they were physically thrown out of town. Physically thrown out of town. They packed up their bags, put them on a wagon, and shipped them out of town. The Avigda Pinske came to Pinsk, and the whole time he'd been, he'd been rallying 
leading the people against the Holy Badish. But the Badish was a giant, not just a giant in his personality, he was a giant in Tatum. But he was away for a while, so they used this opportunity to, uh, to, to, to rally the folk, to create trouble, to agitate. And the Badish was very, very broken, and he complained to his friends about it. And then the Badish moved from Pinsk to Badish, which is from Russia to Ukraine. In other words, from Mislangish territory to Hasidish territory. And as time passed, more and more Hasidim ran away, and by default, Altarev became the Rebbe of Gansarais, became the Rebbe of the whole of Russia, because there was simply nobody else. There was no competition, except for the Kalina, the Stalinist. But most Hasidish Rebbe left. Um, so I think the Pinsky had a long history of agitating. And now, took it to its ultimate end. He mastered the Alter Rebbe, he libeled the Alter Rebbe. And he personally cross-examined the Alter Rebbe. In other words, the debates take place between Alter Rebbe and Ben Chaim. In the Alter Rebbe's documents of the second arrest, you see him responding to Chaimovich. It's translated in Hebrew as Ben Chaim, but in Russian it's Chaimovich. Alter Rebbe is responding to his libels, his complaints. And the tiniest were credible. In other words, there were real issues. And Alter Rebbe had to answer them. And some of them were very sensitive. Some of them went to the very core of the essence of Hasidus. And Alter Rebbe was very pained and very uncomfortable. But being in a position, being in a place, needed to defend Chassidim to the Mesnagdim and to Goyim. But he did it. And of course, there are comments he put in. There are a number of stories that underscore this. One of the more familiar stories, which I've shared with you many times, is that there was a complaint levied against the Baal Shem Tev. That the Baal Shem Tev was an angry man. And the proof of this was that when the Baal Shem Tev would daven, he would say, Af, 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 Af figure of speech. So the Alter Rebbe said I could have very easily deflected this time by simply saying that it was an idiosyncrasy, that it was a, a figure of speech, but it would have been a lie. So I would have been ripped away, separated from the Holy Bashanta for one second. And this I didn't want. So the Alter Rebbe said I had Masidas Nefesh to explain to Goyim the deep kavanah of the Holy Bashanta. And what he explained to them, what I understand, and what I read someplace, is that Af was at Emes for the word Koif, which means monkey. And the Vashemtev was caught with saying Af to say that the Yidden of our generations are Kekayf Pabneyad. When they wish to judge us our prayers relative to the prayers of our ancestors, they should judge us like as if we're Kayf monkeys relative to human beings, and the Ibishu should judge our prayers favorably. And this is why the Vashemtev was to say Af. There were many, many complaints. He laughed, and they wrote something down on the paper and didn't pursue it any further. And it was explained by the Altareva, by Chsidim. I answered all of your questions till now so comprehensively. Do you really want me to explain to you why you are so lowly? You'd rather not know. So they took that as an answer and that was it. But the second arrest was very difficult because, because the issues were credible. Moreover, it didn't, the government of Russia had no idea how powerful the Altareva was until this point. In other words, Hasidus was existing, Misnag the were busy fighting with one another, and understand yourself, you can't imagine how much joy the anti-Semites got from having to be arbiters between two groups of Jews whom they hated equally. But they never fully explored the power of this new movement. It was Jews. 
they discovered after the first arrest that the Al-Tareb had such unbelievable power. Tens of thousands of families of Jews would literally walk into fire for him. And they became paranoid. They started to worry. And they watched him and watched him and watched him. And they realized that he was an honorable man and a holy person. His interests were very sincere. But they were constantly afraid of who knows what could be. Al-Tarebbe was taken to Petaburg second time. He wasn't taken like a common prisoner. He was, quote, as they say in the old days, he was invited. He came honorably. He came like a mensch. He didn't come in a black wagon surrounded by six soldiers. Everybody knows when Al-Tarebbe was arrested the first time, he sat in the back seat of a wagon. One soldier with a revolver and a bayonet on one side. Not a revolver, a rifle. Another soldier with a rifle and a bayonet opposite him. Three soldiers before him and a soldier out front. Six people took Al-Tarebbe in. Second, and he asked one of the guards sitting next to him, has anybody who's gone with this black chariot ever come home alive? And told him, yeah. And Al-Tarebbe took this as a very positive sign that he's a possibility that ever come in Siddiq. The second arrest, he was invited. He was not held in Petra Pottles de Krepis. He wasn't held in the fortress, in the Peter Paul fortress. He was held in a, in a, in a tiny Soviet, in a much more honorable condition. I'm assuming that his room, as you want to call it a cell, had windows. He probably had freedom to go outside and so forth. And he was held there till the third night of Hanukkah. Then he was released. As I mentioned before, did ever write someplace that Ulai Bishnei Mahaya Inyanim Shalgiula Gam Kipshutam at the Winyanim of Gula, the Dritta Lichtalad, the third night of Hanukkah and the fifth night of Hanukkah. But that is not the end of the story. The end of the story was that the government of Russia would not let the Altarab leave Petersburg. Now, if you know the history of Russia, you know that there was a queen, a mighty queen, whose name was Catherine, Yekaterina. Catherine the Great. Yekaterina ruled Russia for most of the Altarebbe's rebistre. I think she became the queen in 1772. She was married to a guy named Peter, and he was a drunken bum, basically. So she ran the country. He died before him. She was a powerhouse of a woman. She died in 1797, the year before the Altarebbe was arrested, or the year the Altarebbe was arrested. She was succeeded by her son named Paul, Pavel. And Paul was a, a pleasure seeker. He liked to have fun. It was a very, very weak um, uh, leader. And he was assassinated in the year 18, I guess 1799. It must have been 17, somehow, 1801, I'm sorry. 1801. Right before Pesach. And he was succeeded by his brother Alexander, Alex. And he ruled, Alexander ruled for the remainder of the Rebbe's through the middle of the Rebbe's And Alexander was preceded by, succeeded by Nicholas, who was a very powerful king and a bitter, bitter Saini Yisrael. He made the terrible Gazetas of the Kantanistan and the Tchum HaMoyshev. That means borders where Jewish people were allowed to live and so on and so forth. And like all Tzayda de Yisrael, he lasted forever. He refused to die. Um, but the story is this. When the was released from prison the second time, the government said, you're free, but you have to stay in Petersburg. There was laws on the books that prevented Jewish people from visiting Petersburg, and the government was willing to overlook that, and to allow Hasidim to visit Al-Tarebbe, even in large numbers. They built him a shul, they provided with him accommodation, and so on. They wanted him under their watchful eyes. They didn't trust him. 
because they had first discovered just how powerful he was, just how many followers he had, and just how loyal they were to him. And they were frightened. And the Alter Rebbe was stuck in Petersburg for almost a whole year. Tuck of Samachal, 1801. It was a very difficult year for the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe hated it. And he desperately wanted to depart. And it wasn't until Chodesh Av. Av would be what? August. That he was allowed to leave Petersburg. But he couldn't go back to Lajna where he was born and spent most of his life. As a Rebbe, he was forced to go to a different city and he chose to live in the city of Liadi, which I'll explain to you momentarily. First, the following episode. He spent that year in Peterborough. After Vedika's Chometz, the night before Pesach in that year, Tokov Samachalov, the Altarev walked out onto the veranda of the place where he was staying. And when he was out of the veranda, he saw the wagon of the king, of Pavel himself, Paul himself, ride by, and the king was sitting or standing in the chariot, as the case was. And Al-Tareba muttered, Sor The shadow has departed from him. It says in Svarim that shadow goes on the makifim, the mazolis, on the malachim, the angels that surround and protect the person. And Al-Tareba looked at Paul and he said, Sor His shadow has departed. That night, at midnight, there was a coup d'etat. They killed him. The, the, the officials of the government realized the guy was no good. It was useless. He was a drunken bomb. He was a party animal. You can't have a king running a country that's an idiot. So they murdered him. And I'm sure there's a lot of complicated politics which people who've studied history know much better than I do. And they appointed his brother as the next king, Alexander. After Pesach, or during the course of that time, there was a guy, if I'm not mistaken, his name was Yubramiski, but I could be wrong who liked the Al-Tareb a lot. He got to know the Al-Tareb and he had no fears that Al-Tareb was going to make any kind of revolutions. So he came to the Al-Tareb with a proposal. He said to the Al-Tareb, if you'll agree to settle in territory that's mine, I'll get you out of Petrograd. And the Al-Tareb was masculine. So he came to the government and he said, this man doesn't want to be in the capital. You're worried about watching him? I'll watch him. Let him leave, I'll watch him. And Al-Tareb was forced to move from Lajna, where he, like I said, he was born and spent most of his life, a good portion of his life, to Liadi, to um, Liadi. And Al-Tareb spent the last 10 or 11 years of his life in Liadi until the war of 1812, and Al-Tareb was forced to run away from Napoleon, and so on and so forth. He passed away in the village called Pied, and they buried him in the city called Hadich, Gadich. But he spent the last 10 or 11 years of his life in Liadi. The Liadi years, as I've told you, so many times were the happiest and richest and most blessed period of Al-Tareb's life. Al-Tareb himself was very up. He felt like he'd won all of his wars. He passed all of his tests and he had success. And he watched Hasidus Chabad be Meshach Sheikh Lamai Laresh grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And the beginning of it is his second arrest, Hastis. The Al-Tareb was arrested the second time and he was released from prison. Now, two more final thoughts and then we'll stop. The first is that it's very interesting that when the Al-Tareb was released from prison, he did not make a Sudha Seydoya. He never made an official party to celebrate his release. Although the next year, Tukuf 
Samach. He said a Maimed Baruch Shasa Nisim. We know it for a matter of fact. We may even have the Maimed. But an official celebration of his release from prison was not made until Yuteskis the Tokuf Samach base. In other words, on some level, the Alter Rebbe knew that he wasn't finished yet. Two years later, he was arrested, released from prison a little while after Yitas Kislev. The following year, Yitas Kislev, in other words, three years after his original arrest and his original liberation, Tovkov Samavet, I spoke about it, Tovshin Samavet, I spoke about it, the Alter Rebbe made an official Surusaydoya, and at Sukkot's time, he already announced, he said that for whatever reason, the time Kamusim had never made a Surusaydoya, he's going to make it, or whatever, Yitas Kislev did it. Earlier in the month, the Alter Rebbe made an official Yitzchak The Fidik Rebbe describes in wonderful detail how Hasidim came and the energy of that time and the whole joy. And the Alter Rebbe finally celebrated Yitzchak because evidently the Alter Rebbe fell and knew that the arrest was not complete. On the other hand, we don't celebrate Gimel the Chanukah like because apparently, though technically the Alter Rebbe needed to go to jail a second time, the war was won Kislev. Just like we had Hey Tavis, Hey Tavis is the Rebbe's Yomtif. There was an appeal after the case of Hey Tavis. And we won that case, Chaf Hey Cheshvin Tavshin Memchaz. And the Rebbe didn't make it into a Yomtif. He didn't consider it such a priority. Because as far as the Rebbe is concerned, the Yomtif is Hamisha Batavis. The fact that there was an Ir order was simply a technical process. Ultimately, the victory was Hey Tavis. Perhaps similarly, by the Alter Rebbe, though he was arrested a second time, the Iker arrest, the Iker liberation, in other words, the idea that when the Alter Rebbe went to jail and he came out of jail, it meant that now there's a renewed opportunity to reveal Hasidus. And the Hasidus has been vindicated not only down here, but more importantly in the heavens. And therefore Hasidus could be celebrated and revealed and so on and so forth. This is connected to Yitzh Kislev. Which is why perhaps, I'm only saying that by way, perhaps we don't make such a big deal out of Gimel of Hanukkah, the third day of Hanukkah, although Yitzh Kislev is one of our biggest Yom Tevim during the, the course of the calendar year. Okay, we'll continue next week, Mitchell. We'll do next time.